What's up, my friends? Welcome to Challenging Conversations. This is a place where we have difficult conversations with experts that I bring on the show to help you guys understand what is happening in our culture today, but also finding ways to how you can properly engage the people that you might have disagreements with. Maybe somebody in your life, they believe the Bible is not the infallible word of God. Uh, Last episode, we talked about progressive Christianity and their different viewpoints about God and Jesus and the Bible and who the historical Jesus was and what is salvation. And it's contrary to the Bible. So if you have friends or maybe you attend a progressive church and you got to get, you got to get out of there, you got to get a Dodge, but you don't know how to do that. This is a place you guys, where we help you no matter the circumstance or the situation. If you have a child has deconverted or who has abandoned the faith or who's an atheist. Now they've been suddenly enlightened in college and now they come home and they're espousing viewpoints that run contrary to a Christian worldview. And you don't know how to combat that. This is a place you guys where hopefully we can help you guys engage the people that God has put in your sphere of influence. So I want to thank you guys in advance for just the support prayers that you guys provide for me, the ministry and the opportunity that we can have to put out content like this, because we love you guys. And we, we so believe in who Jesus Christ is and that he came into this world and he died on the cross. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. And in essence, according to that creed in first Corinthians 15, Paul refers to that as the gospel. He summarized that's the gospel because in essence, in Mark one, one, the gospel is Jesus Christ. And so that's why on this episode, you know, it's, we're going to be talking about you guys, how there are, there are movements, there are ideological positions, there are empty philosophies, as Paul refers to in Colossians 2, 8, that we are not to be led astray in believing that are happening or taking place or have been supplanted in our churches today, that you guys need to be made aware of that. Now, before I introduce again, Lucas Miles from our previous podcast, where we were talking about progressive Christianity I want to let you guys know about the Edify app because this episode is brought to you by the Edify network. You can go to edify.app. You can download the app if you guys have not done so. I have it. I use it all the time. I even got my kids using it and they love a lot of the shows. Of course, I got to admit, they don't like Lucas Miles show, which is unfortunate. So hopefully we can change that. But let me just bring in Lucas right now. Lucas, what is up, my friend? Thanks for being being on the show again. I'm heartbroken. I got to (laughs) say, I'm heartbroken. Well, you know, I just told him, I said, hey, you guys can listen to anything else on the Edify app except for this guy, Lucas Miles. Okay. <laughs> That's probably good advice. Yeah, it's probably good advice. Probably, you know, they steer advice, away from that. Sure. You know, yeah. I said, he, he's a wannabe Elvis. <laughs> he kind of looks like Elvis, but, you know, he's not Elvis. I don't know what he's going for. He's got a, like an identity crisis situation. It's a tough, it's a tough world. I like actually when this go- comes out and you guys are watching this, I want you to put in the comments below and say, does, does Lucas look like Elvis? Yes or no? <laughs> You know, and if anybody says he's better looking than Elvis, I'm going to delete that because that's just completely and absolutely false. (laughs) But hey, man, it's awesome to have you. Last episode, we were talking about what progressive Christianity is. And so hopefully people listening or watching this episode, hopefully you guys got that episode. If you haven't, go get it where you get your podcast, check it out. But today we want to talk about, in essence, the Christian left. And the question really, Lucas, before us is, is the Christian left hijacking the church more than ever. Like what, what, what do you think? Yes, for sure. Um, and I'm always quick to tell people we've to a degree, we've seen this before. 
So, you know, and I know you and I would, you know, would, would, uh, both hold to the idea that, you know, God's truth wins in the end. Um, the, the purpose of the church manifests all of those things, but I'm quick to point out to people, and I've told you this privately, that that doesn't mean that the church in America is always going to thrive. Right. Uh, we've seen the church in Europe and different places, you know, kind of have this pinnacle and then, and then I have a decline. And, and we're in danger of that here in the U.S. if we're not, um, you know, really diligent in these matters. And so I, I think that it's important that we, that we stay strong in our belief and that we evaluate these things on a regular basis. Um, you know, with that said, it's not only that the Christian left is hijacking the church, but they're also hijacking a lot of uh, parachurch organizations, a lot of Christian universities, and they're slowly whittling away some of these foundational beliefs that really play into these social issues. And so much of this is about politics and money and everything else. Uh, in my book, The Christian Left, I have a whole chapter called The Christian Cabal, where I really address a lot of these individuals who are, are really at the forefront of pulling this away. And these are, some of these guys are, are major figures within Christendom and in the Christian um, uh, entertainment industry, guys like Phil Vischer, uh, Phil Vischer, creator of VeggieTales, uh, I don't know Phil personally. We have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, the guy's brilliant. I mean, he's he is he's a, he's a creative genius. Um, has has produced a lot of quality things. Um, but in at least in recent years, you look at his podcast or something else, and I mean, he has totally surrendered surrendered his ideology. It seems over to um, uh, views that are very um, uh, deconstructionist, supporting things like. Uh, critical theory, CRT, uh, really dismantling, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Western um, Orthodox Christianity. And so, um, you know, there's there's a lot of figures like that that have been participating in this that are still given a seat at the table um, with a lot of Christian publishers, Christian colleges, speaking tours, um film deals, whatever it may be. And uh, I think many are willing to look the other way, despite the fact that it's this, these aren't just doctrinal differences. I want to be clear about that. These are primary, um, primary beliefs of Christian teaching that are being rejected. These aren't secondary things. We're not talking about somebody who has a different view about, are you once saved, always saved, or can you lose your salvation? Or is speaking in tongues for today, or did it die with the apostles or something like that? Um, we're talking about primary, primary Christian beliefs. Well, that's, I mean, that's important for people to understand. Now you and I have talked about this even offline, you know, and, and again, I know it's a, it's an open debate and we, you, we mentioned it in the previous podcast a little bit about mentioning names. I think yeah. at this point, it's important for people to just understand, okay, last podcast, we talked about what is progressive Christianity. You know, I refer to uh, Roger Wosley's book uh, about kind of giving a summation of that. So people can yeah. check that out. Um, even if they, if you guys listened or watched it, you guys can still go back if you don't remember that. And we'll make sure on the video that we'll have the links, you know, below or some of those quotes. Who are some people that are considered progressive Christians today? Because I think before we dive into how... It, how is the left, the Christian left in your book? And let me show people if you're watching right here, the Christian left mm -hmm. um, in the, in the subtitle, how liberal thought has hijacked the church. So I want to be clear before we look at some names, 
So that way we can start talking about how some of these people are hijacking the church, right? So people are not confused. Like, okay, I get what progressive Christianity is, but who are you forewarning me about then, Lucas, right? And Jay, and, and, yeah. and how are they doing that? What are you seeing in the church? You guys are out there traveling, speaking to different churches and denominations. So can you let us know that? And you and I both are guys who we believe there's a time and place to do that. And we're going to do it on this episode. Again, not extensively, uh, but we will um, issue some warnings on certain people, realizing that some people disagree with it. And that's fine. You know, we're not trying to bash these people, like you said. Um, you know, we want to point out some things that go contrary to the Bible. Uh, so who are some of these people that you think, uh, or I would say classify as progressive Christians? You know, there's there's a couple layers to this. And there are um, what I would call some foot soldiers to the movement. Um, these are individuals that are outspoken. They're influential. Um, they are well-connected. They're well-funded. And they are pushing a lot of the messaging that's out there. Um, uh, for instance, a guy like Jim Wallace, who formerly was at Sojourners. Um, you know, this is an individual who denied taking Soros money and was later presented with evidence showing that he took Soros money and finally had to admit it. Um, that's not conspiracy theory. That's called showing your 990s and it being accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, there's guys like Jonathan Merritt whose dad is extremely well-connected in the SBC, uh, Southern Baptist uh, Convention. And Merritt has, I mean, he's a, he is one of the top faith um, journalists in the country. Like religious news, yeah, other outlets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, re uh, religion news services. He's written for The Atlantic. He's written, I mean, he's written for everybody yeah. just about. And, you know, very, very well-connected. Um, he is a, is, is a guy who seems to really celebrate, uh, if you, you know, ever see his email updates or his newsletters, I mean, he celebrates, it feels like anytime there is a, um, orthodox or more traditional minded Christian who falls or has some sort of moral failing. I mean, he's the first one to report about that and show it. He himself has had multiple scandals that have, uh, you know, kind of really tainted his history, um, the uh, and and he's he's an action he's an action guy I think for the movement. Um, there's guys that are a little bit uh, um, uh, you know that 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 feel a little bit more what I would call slippery and I'll I'll say this is my language and not yours so I don't get you into trouble and you don't know who I'm going to name each time here. Um, <laughs> but I think a guy like Russell Moore who was a former head of the uh, the ERLC uh, within this Southern Baptist Convention. Um, has been accused of uh, taking Soros money and, and there was some, you know, shell companies and these things and, and they tried to, uh, uh, you know, show that that maybe wasn't the case. I, don't, I haven't dug into that enough to know where that stands. Um, Moore is a guy who uh, was very outspoken against Trump, um, seemed to offer some support for uh, several Democratic candidates. And, you know, I don't know as though he's a full-on Marxist, uh, or anything like that. I'm not trying to toss those sort of, you know, accusations against people. Um, but he is pushing people to a social gospel that I believe departs from uh, Christian teaching, whether it's deception or whether he's doing this full knowledge. I don't know. Um, on the fringes, you have somebody like Beth Moore, and I mention her periodically. And a lot of times people are surprised by that. Beth went back and, and uh, uh, removed from her books any sort of comments about Christian uh, or about homosexuality and sin. Uh, she regularly seems to speak and tour with Jonathan Merritt, who I mentioned earlier. Um, 
and uh, uh, is also runs with people like Jen Hatmaker that's really on the fringes of, I think, faith entirely. Um, yeah. And and those are those are some some kind of foot soldier players. Now, there's a lot of people at more of an administrative level within some major Christian organizations that are, um, I think, not as loud with the messaging, but play a very pivotal role in the financing of this message. And here's why this is important. There's actually um, uh, one of Soros's organizations, um, uh, Open uh, Open Society. They uh, there's a video, uh, and I've seen this video. I have the link to it. Everything else of uh, that they were they were doing a, a conference, and one of his staff used the term that they have a program that they jokingly call rent an evangelical. And so what they mm-hmm. are groups like, whether it be open society or there's, there's other individuals we could talk There's a, there's an Indonesian, uh, a Chinese Indonesian uh, billionaire uh, that is also known for doing these things as well. Um, what they will do is they will donate money typically through a, an auxiliary or, or shell company of some form and you know things like the democracy fund or uh, something like that, and they'll give money to these groups that will then give money to these to these pivotal uh, uh, influential Christian organizations. And you know even on a lesser scale, Google does this. And I want people to understand that this isn't there is a legitimate like people have a dis- predisposition to some of these beliefs that take them into progressive Christianity, but it's more than that. And I've been working on uncovering this for several years now. There is, and, and I, didn't, I didn't know this going into it. This was a surprise to me when I, I, I thought I was just dealing with doctrine. And what I found as I got into this, that there is this whole investigative journalist you know, uh, realm here that is, is being uncovered where, you know, for instance, Google will give $10,000 grants to churches and ministries uh, for Google, free Google ads, up to $10,000, I think a year is what it is, if I remember right. but it comes with a string attached to it that you cannot teach on anything related to a, a negative aspect to uh, um, homosexuality or gender issues. So basically, you have these churches and Christian ministries that are going $10,000 in free advertising. I'll take that all day long, especially when my live stream is kind of the, the heart of my ministry. But as a result, now they're being paid to be silent on these issues. They themselves might not, you know, they might still believe in a biblical worldview and, and biblical view of sexuality and gender. But now all of a sudden, there's the initial part where this leftist agenda has crept into the church to pay them to be silent on certain issues and force them in a position where they can't address this. And and whether or not there's repercussions or if they just drop the funding, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but I, I first looked into this thing and this sounds like a great idea. And as I got into it further, I was like, oh, here's what's happening. Mm. And so that's that's an issue where people are being paid to be quiet. There's also issues where people are being paid to talk about these things. The, the program I mentioned from Soros, uh, there's two there's two places they've used that. They've used that to put pro-choice speakers within Christian circuits. They've also used that and groups like them have used that uh, just so I'm you know speaking in generalities right now, have also used that to. Um, uh, to do what they call creation care, uh, which basically funds a um, a global warming agenda um, into Christian um, institutions under the name of creation care in order to push that as an agenda. You're seeing similar things happen with open borders. 
Uh, we could go back to something like the Johnson Amendment and money was put into pastors to get them to come out in support of the Johnson Amendment uh, when it first came out. And so this is a longstanding tactic by critical theorists, by Marxists, by uh, people that that really, uh, um, you know, their job is deconstructing the Western world um, because they believe in a Marxist framework and they believe the only way they're going to experience that is if they can deconstruct the family and they can de deconstruct the church. And so um, this and again, this might go what feels like a little bit more conspiracy theory for some people. But what I'm telling you is that I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. These are documented 990s. You, there's all sorts of groups, uh, pages that you can go on that are watchdog organizations that will track 990s and fundings. You can see where it's coming in. Uh, there's a there's a very, very well-known Christian university uh, that in the last several years put an individual on their board uh, whose you know, father is a, uh, um, a billionaire a Chinese businessman. That organization gives a million dollars a year to this college. Um, and wouldn't you know it, we're seeing that college slowly shift its beliefs on certain topics, um, you know, supporting things like critical race theory. And this is a this is an orthodox college or this is a very traditional, uh, uh, well-respected Christian university with some great people on their staff, yeah. I will say. Um, but that at an at a uh, administrative level, the board has been infiltrated. Now there's a million dollars a year attached to it. And that gives them buying power and decision making power to start moving this in a very, very intentional direction. And I should mention the same businessman is, has been, you know, also caught doing similar things to funnel money into uh, a lot of democratic uh, um, organization, operative organizations in the United States. And so it is, it is a, a web of all sorts of uh, scandals and twisted beliefs. And there is, I think, some sincere foot soldiers that believe these things uh, and then there's some people behind them that just want to disrupt everything. And so they're tossing money at it. And more so than any other point in history, although we've seen um, heretical beliefs like this before, there is a funding mechanism and the empowerment of the connectivity, the inter Internet, et cetera. Um, and now the metaverse <laughs> that we've never had yeah. before. And that gives this a little bit more fuel than I think what the world's ever seen. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. So in that aspect, for people to understand that there is an agenda and that whether you want to classify it in some cases as taking people away from their free speech or manipulation or deception, that is a hijacking in a sense of finding ways to get inside, you know, the industry, if you will, of Christianity, of evangelicalism, right? Just lump it together mm -hmm. yep. in the Western church and, and kind of being proactive that way so that they can reduce their involvement in responding. We already know with cancel culture and with algorithms and blocking certain content that's giving a Christian worldview that's viewed as quote unquote hate speech, which defining hate speech, you know, is a whole different topic because we're not hating anyone, but they think because you're going against something and you're not being tolerant that you are. And in some cases, people are being fined and even losing their 501c3 or uh, yeah. riots outside their church or something like that. And so out of fear, people like, we, you know, we got to be passive because, you know, we got to be like Jesus. We got to love people. 
So, so they may not, they may disagree, like you said, and may not take issue, but in some cases people need to be aware of the hijacking because it could be subtle. So let's transition from some of the subtleness, if you will, of trying to infiltrate evangelical platforms to prevent them, if you will, by signing on the dotted line, uh, not to talk about certain things. Let's now get into the realm of, let's talk about some positions that a Christian left leftist, a progressive Christian is bringing to a biblical church because you and I know when we, and we've mentioned him before because he's very iconic in the movement, uh, Franciscan Richard War. I mean, when you talk about a liberal United Methodist church that again, ordains, you know, LGBT people and women that, that are very radical men that are very radical Bible isn't the infallible word of God. Jesus isn't the only way they deny John 14, six. In some cases we even have progressive pastors who are talking about, we are gods, you know, because of that, again, panentheistic or pantheistic, depending on what, you know, angle they take yeah. with view God being all things and all things are God. But how, what are some ways that when you're in a small group, when you're having a conversation, I mean, in my challenging conversations book, I address nine controversial topics and teaching people how to engage them respectfully, right? Whether it be divorce and remarriage, porn addiction, substance abuse, premarital sex, racism, politics, LGBT things. What are some things that we're seeing of having a progressive person in a biblical teaching church that's kind of hijacking maybe a small group or maybe a discussion? What are they doing exactly, Lucas? You know, I, I think that, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about some of these, um, uh, you know, some of the usual suspects that are really promoting this. But I think there's a lot of individuals that they don't have any ties to financing that's making them do what they yeah. do. They're not, they're not, uh, um, they don't have a national platform. They don't have a podcast show. They're not trying to sell books. Um, they've just grabbed a hold of some of these beliefs. You know, they've, they've listened to other people. They've read the books. They've bought the lie. And those individuals are just really interspersed. And you know, in my study of Gnosticism, you know, one of the things that is unique about Gnosticism is that if you were looking for a Gnostic in the first century, the best place to find them was at the church. Um, that's where they hung out. That's where they went. That's where they peddled their ideas. Um, it was, it was really, uh, 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 you know, it was, it was, it wasn't just infiltrated, it was intermixed. And, and I think that we see that today. And there's a lot of Gnostic ideas that are held by um churches almost unknowingly that that they don't even realize it you know and 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 I'm I'm sympathetic to these groups because I think we all could be guilty of this at some level but anything that teaches that you have to reach a certain level of enlightenment before you can know God, you know, that he's not just freely accessible to all those who believe, you know, and even to those, and especially to those with a childlike faith that you have to work your, you know, through these layers and climb a ladder to get to know these special things before, you know, that's a Gnostic tendency that we might see. Um, I think that, that there was, I, and I'll, I'll admit, I was guilty of saying this myself. And I, uh, I, I grew up in, in more of a, I had more of a legalistic mindset when I was younger very performance-driven uh, uh, form of Christianity. If I fell into a camp, I'd be closer to a Judaizer than I would have been a Gnostic for sure. But when I pushed away from that, when I started understanding a little bit about the message of grace, the pendulum started swinging to the other side. And I, I could have very easily been become 
one of these people that I'm writing about and that I'm talking about uh, because it was it was uh, um, it was captivating. And it was really only my study of church history and having some great friends around me that loved me and and you know wonderful wife that is you know really rooted in her faith and I think and 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 the priority of the word of God in my life that was something that never I never wavered on is that I knew that the Bible was first place and that kept me grounded and and sort of tethered um, you know to the truth. And but but I used to say something that I picked up from somebody else from some postmodern, I'm sure, of uh, like saying like that person's saved, they just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Basically, meaning that you know, even though that person's never made a confession of faith, they're you know almost implying beyond just them being on a path towards God, they're already there. They just haven't figured it out. And that's that's not a uh, that, that's not a biblical worldview. You know, there is there is a thing called conversion. It's very specific, you know, uh, or even the, the the doctrine of and this is something else that we, you know, found ourselves falling into of of saying that, um, you know, uh, basically this idea of first you belong and we'll worry about you believing later. And from a Christianity standpoint, yes, we can love anybody where they are. Um, but you only belong to the body of Christ when you make a confession of faith and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's there's no other way around that. We can love you, and you can you are certainly created in God's image, but that doesn't make you a child of God yet. You become a child of God when you receive the call upon your life uh, to follow Him, and you repent of your past, everything else. And so, um, I, I think those are just little nuances that people fall into. Certainly more of the social issues. Um, you know, we have we have several churches in our downtown in South Bend, Indiana, or Red State, Blue County, that are flying BLM flags, Marxist BLM flags, and rainbow flags above the cross right now at their churches. And these are things that they fully adopted this, they've grabbed a hold of. There's another very uh, um, progressive church here in town that's, that's uh, as I understand, growing pretty quickly. A lot of people left a pretty major mega church to go start it. Uh, and this church is, you know, several staff members that are in the LGBT community. Um, you know, pastors stood up on a Sunday morning saying very clearly of, you know, did a whole series on that I listened through on on teaching about, um, you know, what does scripture have to say about homosexuality and basically ended with, I don't really know for sure how, what to make of all this, but I'd rather err on the side of doing your wedding. And so if you're, you know, LGBT or Q, come on over here and I'll do your wedding. And and we'll support you. And, you know, you see this sort of uh, uh, this is happening more and more. This is a lot of people's experience. Um, open borders. Uh, uh, you know, how many churches in the country? Have I heard the stories? I'm sure you have, too, uh, of churches over like this. The, the uh, during the you know, after the George Floyd, uh, um, uh, after George Floyd's death, that pastors were telling everybody who was white to lay down on the floor and repent and, you know, declare all these, you know, confessions over their life and repent for their ancestors and this sort of thing. I mean, this goes completely in the face of what Scripture teaches, both Old and New Testament, about mercy, justice, forgiveness, about how sins of your fathers don't pass on to you, you know, in that sense, that we, that, and that, uh, that there's not a preference to be given to the rich, not a preference to be given to the poor, uh, that, you know, uh, the, the scripture tells us if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I mean, we can go through verse after verse after verse. And so many of these social doctrines just go in the face of, of what scripture teaches. And, and so based on that too, is, is the hijacking that we're seeing is uh, socialism, 
right? A, a view, mm-hmm. yeah. It, and some call it democratic socialism. You know, that's that's advancing in, in even biblical teaching churches, like you said, even uh, being soft and more wokeness as as whether people are you know receiving money and they know uh, well and good that they're taking money to become more woke. You know, we just saw recently with the yep. Salvation Army with certain things they're changing now. Um, so there are some hijacking, like you said, of people. We You get it in a liberal setting. Like you said, people who are probably putting the rainbow flag or socialist flag or whatever, yes. um, you know, that, that, that their ideological positions and you go and look at their framework and you look at their doctrinal statements, you know, that they self-identify that, right? That's what they believe. And that's what they believe Jesus believed. But real quickly, as we're wrapping things up to help our listeners, Lucas, because in your book, The Christian Left, which again, I highly recommend people getting this book in chapter nine here, discerning the truth. And this is where I want to land. Let's help some of you know, let's help everybody, Lord willing, listening and watching this podcast to respond properly to some of the hijacking positions ideologically that come from people who maybe are becoming more woke. You know, they're, yeah. they're buying into some of these uh, positions and they're, and they're thinking they're doing right. So we're, yeah, we're not talking about someone who has an agenda from Google or from George Soros you know, or they, they download and listen to Richard Rohr all the time and they've read all the Marcus Borg books and therefore they're going to go there and try to indoctrinate, you know, people in their traditional biblical based church, but they are being influenced. Okay. And so in a sense, they're hijacking. Of course, we know there are some who are active and I've encountered them myself and I've had pastors come to me and say, Jay, how do we respond to these people? Whether it was a group of people, a couple or an individual, and sometimes they don't go down the way that you wanted it to, right? Yeah. Um, but but I can honestly say, Lucas, that we did our best through what the Holy Spirit had guided and and and, and told us to do. Um, and and in the end, some cases with church discipline, they had to leave because they were again espousing things that run contrary to the Bible. So real quickly, let me just give you you have here six uh bullet points. And leading into it, you said th- these are regularly things that are attacked within the church, right? And sometimes you refer to them as vague, unsubstantiated statements. And I believe these are hijacking ideological positions, right? For example, one, religion is responsible for more wars than anything else in history. Uh, two, the Bible promotes racism. Three, Christianity are, uh, Christians are so hypocritical. Four, the Bible is sexist. Five, the world would be a lot better off without organized churches and and six, religion just seeks to control people. So as we as we wrap up the podcast, just in general, responding to some of these, as you refer to unsubstantiated claims that some woke progressive Christians in a Bible teaching church believe and they're teaching. And a lot of times, as you and I know, Lucas, people don't know how to respond to these type of people. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so how can we help people? So, you know, first off, I think that we have to recognize that that sometimes though the type of people we're talking about that are just starting to ask questions and maybe lean towards this progressive worldview, uh, or maybe they've already embraced it to some degree, a lot of times they get there because they see what they feel are egregious errors mm-hmm. or judgments or bigotry on the on the side of conservatives or the side of conservative Christians or biblical Christians. And, you know, this is why it's so important that we watch ourselves, that we that we take self-assessment on a regular basis, that we see 
how we're walking in these things. And, you know, one thing that I always try to point out is that every error that exists, it either happens because we are elevating, you know, the Bible says that Jesus came, the law was given by Moses, but Jesus came through grace and truth. And so if we're going to fall into error, we're going to fall into error either by elevating truth over grace or elevating grace over truth. If you elevate truth over grace, you become a bigot. If you elevate um, uh, uh, grace over truth, you become a progressive. Mm-hmm. That only in the balance of those things can we really find, right. uh, um, you know, any sort of uh, uh, you know true identity in in Christ and really experience His love. And so, you know, if if we look at say a social issue like homosexuality, abortion, you know, whatever that is. If we don't have an aspect of grace and truth in that, something that comes in and that that draws a line, that that cuts, that that shows where the boundaries are, and then also something that enters simultaneously and shows where mercy and forgiveness is, and how do we acknowledge that? See, it, it's interesting. I and one of the things I've I've pointed out in the book is that that uh, the Christian left are actually. You would think that, you know, because they're elevating this form of mercy, um, that they have this great concept of grace, but they actually don't. Yeah. They have a great concept of acceptance when you agree with them, what I call Herodian politics, but they, they don't have a concept of grace because grace by nature has to identify depravity and the undeservedness that we have to be able to receive it. Right. And so grace is actually a totally foreign concept. It's only a concept of grace. It's a notion that sort of resembles it from a distance. But when you get up close, the Christian left has no concept of grace, which is why they don't have mercy when it, on the issues of justice and race and these things that we've talked about, uh, and they can't work through these other issues because they are only, uh, only looking at them from one vantage point. And so I think it's important that, you know, practically speaking, that we ask tough questions of our churches. We ask tough, tough questions of ourselves. Uh, what does my church believe about this? How does my how does my church handle it? You know, if you have questions or concerns, if it's your pastor that you're worried about that you're seeing drifting, which is what I see a lot, sit down with him and ask. I, I have a whole list of questions in the back of that book that you can go through one by one with your pastor that are that are a loving way to be able to say, help me understand where you sit on these issues. Uh, and it, again, it's not just about I can fellowship at any church that might have some different doctrinal viewpoints to me. Mm. I, I can get over that. But when we start, when we start, you know, hitting at these core issues of who is God, who is Jesus, what is the truth of the word? That's when I think we have to be very, uh, um, we have to be very aware that we're not being led into error. And I think as we close out, Lucas, I so appreciate, you know, that, point of view in, in reminding people, as you pointed the questionnaires, is your church part of the Christian left? Some people don't know. Some people may not be aware of it. And as we did in the previous podcast, and we encourage you guys to check that out if you haven't done so, listen to how Lucas, Lucas and I responded to their views of God, the Bible, Jesus, salvation, and start, and if, again, know your Bible, you guys, read the word of God, study it for yourself, and turn to uh, resources, look at Lucas Miles, you know, check, you know, the stuff we're doing at Stand Strong Ministries, you know, got Summit Ministries, you know, there's, there's so many, you know, John Stone Street, good friends of ours at the Colson Center, check out stuff that they have to say, um, but know your Bible and, and even drop us a note, you know, go to our websites, our ministry things and ask questions so we can try to help you guys as best we can, because 
there are a lot of people, as Lucas said, and I'm seeing it as well. And that's why we're spending time doing this, that people are turning woke or they're becoming more progressive and you weren't aware of it. And they're the subtleties, but start with the doctrinal things where their doctrinal statements are. And then as Lucas said, you guys, and let me just throw out a couple of questions as we run, uh, as we, we end the show, what does my church teach about salvation? It's a great question. You can ask your pastor, you know, where do you stand with salvation? What does that mean? Is Jesus Christ the only way? And if so, chapter and verse. You know, like the Bereans, they even tested what Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and following. They even questioned the apostle Paul to make sure what he was teaching was true. So don't think because someone's standing behind the pulpit and they're doctor so-and-so or pastor so-and-so, or they've been ordained so uh, someplace or they're friends with some celebrity pastor, doesn't mean that they're this prophet that what they speak is infallible. Test and search the scriptures as the Bereans did, you guys. And lastly, how is the Bible handled? Is scripture read on Sundays? Is scripture seen as the ultimate source of truth? Am I encouraged to be in the word myself throughout the week? How does the church respond to cultural issues such as same-sex attraction, transgenderism, criminal behavior, violent, forceful protests, and destruction of property? Does it approve, applaud, or excuse such behavior? Or does it stand on truth in the word to lovingly lead people back to Jesus? And there's other questions that Lucas puts in his book, you guys. So get the resource, The Christian Left. Lucas, once again, thank you, my friend, for you standing for the truth and also shepherding people and, and, and guiding people and speaking the truth in love because I think it's a great model for people who are timid. They don't know what to say or how to say it. And again, I appreciate the way that you've drawn people to reflect Christ, stand on his truth, and be a voice of reason within our culture. So I appreciate you being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, my friends, as always, uh, we are so appreciative of your guys' support, and we're so thankful for the work that you guys are doing alongside of us. We could not do this without you. So if you want to continue to support the ministry, go to standstrongministries.org. We are thankful for our friends and our supporters at the Edify Network. This is They, they make this, this, this show possible. And I thank you for taking the time to listen. And I appreciate my friend Lucas Miles and the ministry that he's doing. So you guys be aware, know what is being taught in your churches and take a stand for truth. Don't compromise. Remember with great courage comes first, great conviction. So be those Christians who know what the word of God teaches and know how to respond in a way that Christ will be honored in the midst of that conversation and that relationship. So that's going to do it. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends.